Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profile and Preview. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We're presented by John Boy Media. we got two players for you today. Justin, we're starting with Kevin Zeitler. But how you doing, man? Doing very well. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, we can say he's a friend of the program, question mark. Definitely um, a friend of the program. I, you know, I don't think he wants to be like best friends with us, but he's a friend of the program. And his wife is definitely. I mean, she promotes our stuff. So the Zeitler family is are friends of the program. Yeah, that was going to be my my fun fact about Kevin Zeitler is that Sarah Zeitler actually uh, has bought some of our shirts. She likes the Hog Molly shirt, which I don't blame her. That's a pretty awesome shirt. It's got a lot of different styles, got a lot of different Peter colors. Peter King says that's an offensive term. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Peter King. But Shut um, up, Peter King. Sarah, Sarah Zeitler apparently does not think so. She has bought the shirt. She posted a picture of herself wearing the shirt, which was awesome. And Kevin Zeitler came on the show. Uh, we had a nice little, uh, maybe like 20, 25-minute conversation with him early in the offseason, friend of the program. I don't think if Sarah Zeitler's listening to this, I don't think she would take offense to this. Kevin Zeitler is kind of a boring person, but that's kind of good if you're a football player, Bobby, because he's a worker, he's a grinder, he's very dedicated to his craft, and Kevin Zeitler's good. Happy to be yeah. talking about him. Kevin Zeitler. All right, let's get into it. He's six foot four, three hundred fifteen pounds. He's thirty years old. In 2012, he was the 27th overall pick in the first round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Justin, he he enters year nine. He's got two years left on his deal, 2020, 2020 and 2021. Uh, in 2021, his cap hit is $14.5 million. Uh, the Giants would have an out. He's, he'd only have $2.5 million dead cap, so they would save 12. But I don't think that will be an option. We'll no. talk about it a little bit. Um, obviously, he came over in the trade for Olivier Vernon. And when we got the interview, Kevin Zeitler, Justin, I, ha- I had to take that. It was the most well-received Dave Gettleman move. You know, looking back now, it's probably Daniel Jones. But at the time, it was the one of the first times where Dave Gettleman did something and everybody was just completely on board with it. I know some people saying it's a package with the OBJ trade. That just doesn't make sense to me. Because if it was packaged with the Odell trade, then it would have been packaged with the Odell trade. Um, it came out three, you know, two, three days before. Yeah, I guess besides Daniel Jones, um, the take that I actually was going to have, Bobby, is that this is Dave Gettleman's best move because we literally turned a player that was not on the football field for us, was very expensive, and a guy that was a bit of a, a, a frust- he wasn't He wasn't a headache meeting in the locker room, but he was a headache just as like, oh, you know, we're waiting for Olivier Vernon to go back to what he did in 2016. And then we turned that player into Kevin Zeidler, uh, to a guy that is so reliable the past, you know, one, two, three, four, five years. He's played more than 15 games, arguably can be, should be kind of an all pro guard. He's up there in that kind of caliber. I think this is Dave Gettleman's best move that he's made. And I know, you know, offensive guards, they don't really get the glitz and glamour. You know, Dave Gettleman didn't go out and trade for, you know, a wide receiver that's come in and, and lit up the world on fire. But I really do think that this is Dave Gettleman's best move because Zeitler's just so important to this line. I really think he anchors this offensive line. I'll, I mean, I'll say Jones is the best move because um, it took ball. I, like Andrew Thomas, I like that one more, but I don't look, I don't view that as like, wow, what a great move. I just, I view that as he's the best offensive tackle on the board. We need an offensive tackle. Where Jones took some guts um, to to pull to you know to pull the trigger on that one, so I'll, I'll go Jones. Um, and as you know, you know QB is the most important position. But yeah. this is second for I I think this would be second for me. Um, you know I'd have to go through every single transaction because someone would be like, well, you like this one more. But off the top off off rip, I'll say this one's number two for me. But Justin 
Zeitler's consistent. He's missed one game in the last 15 years. That was yep. uh, the Miami Dolphins game um, where Eli Manning had his last career win. I was at that game. He's a great pass blocker. That's what he is. Um, you know, a lot of times when you see like a top guard, you think this guy's going to be driving people 10 yards down the field. That's not who Zeitler is. But in the pass game, he is elite. I mean, I can only remember one bad play, and it was Khalil Mack who um, who, who who knocked him over. And I remember when we were doing our interview, I name searched Kevin Zeitler, and there's just you can't find anything bad to say about Kevin Zeitler. He's really good in the pass game. Um, I thought Mike Remmers benefited uh, playing next to him at right tackle, and whoever plays right tackle this season will benefit playing next yep. to Kevin Zeitler because he's a smart player and he's one of the hardest working. I mean, we see in his videos, you know, uh, Sarah's his wife's videos. The guy just never stops doing pass sets no matter where they are. Yeah, it was really fun seeing how he does it in his kitchen. He does it, you know, between his backyard, even when he's on vacation. I love when Sarah Zeitler's tweeting, we're on a vacation week and Kevin Zeitler's already trying to plan uh, when it's appropriate for him to be uh, practicing his pass sets. It's kind of funny. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's great. It's what you, it's what you want out of a football player. Uh, but That's Bobby, how you become a top five pass blocking guard by doing really, that. Really, really. And he's been doing it for a very long time and he's been consistent at it. But also, it's just one of those things. I already mentioned, you know, going back to 2015, he played 16 games. This is the first time in however many years that he's actually missed the game. It was only one game. You know, compare this to when we were kind of, eh, we were feeling iffy about Richburg. We were feeling iffy about Pew. While they're talented, they're missing games. While it's like, okay, good job by Jerry Reese of getting these guys in blue, but they can't stay in blue for 16 games. Kevin Zeitler's a guy that's like, all right, again, guy that can anchor this line, a guy that's going to show up for you, you know, week in and week out. And Bobby, before, I guess I have some numbers. They may not directly be related to Kevin Zeitler. Some are. Uh, for example, I'll just get this out of the way. One holding penalty all last year. And I'm pretty sure that was, that penalty was declined anyway. It was declined by the, by the, uh, by the defense. So it didn't even matter anyway. So one holding penalty. Um, and the most that holding penalties that he's had in a single season was two, which is crazy when you really think about it. And when I watch him, particularly on his pass sets, but this is also whether you were talking about, you know, against uh, when he's, you know, with his run sets or pass sets, there's rarely a movement that is wasted. There is little, there is rarely a movement that Kevin Zeitler has a step, uh, a, you know, where he's, you know, choosing to put his shoulders. If he's, if he's putting a shoulder, if he's putting a forearm, to a, a defender that's right in front of him, it's, there's barely a wasted movement. Everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. Everything is methodical. The footwork is there. Carl Banks talked about last year when he was initially acquired that he has very good like head and eye and feet balance, like his head is not moving faster than his feet or vice versa. Very, very methodical football player, kind of like you already said, Bobby. Yeah, he's a technician. Um, let's talk about him in the run game a little bit. Yeah. As a puller, he's lightning quick. I mean, he shoots out of there like a cannon. Um, in the run, in like regular blocks, he's worked a double team perfectly. You know, he knows like when to stay on it and when to move off to a linebacker. You know, he's always got like the right proportion with that. The only thing, Justin, is he's just not a mauler. That's not who he is. But you don't need him to be a mauler. You just need him to hold his – especially with a guy like Saquon behind him. Um, that's what you need. And I know you talk about the way Saquon runs when he runs to the right compared to when he runs to the left. Yep. Yeah, so actually that's a pretty good transition because the Giants were actually 
um, much better. They fared much better when they were running towards the right side, according to Football Outsiders adjusted line yards. Um, so it's not just taking into account like average yards. Uh, we talked about what adjusted lines yard adjusted line line yards were in a couple episodes with Anthony, but basically Giants were much better when rushing to the right compared to the left. Now. You can say Saquon Barkley always has this tendency, even when he's rushing to his left, Bobby, he always likes to hold the ball in his right hand. Now, I'm pretty sure you're maybe supposed to switch over your, you know, your ball carrying hand based off of the side that you're rushing to, but I'm not a, I'm not a coach. I'm not going to speculate all on that, but so there's that part of it, but also the right side of the Giants offensive line last year was just much stronger. Kevin Zeitler and uh, Mike Remmers were a much better combination together compared to Will Hernandez and uh, Nate Solder. So that's pretty obvious within itself. Um, also, Giants were the seventh most in the National Football League. They rushed at this. They rushed up the middle, the middle and the guard, 63% of the time. That was the seventh highest in the National Football League. Uh, that's a lot. I know, Bobby, you like to talk about how oh, teams like the Vikings and teams like the Cardinals that do all these stretch plays and how fans love to complain about running up the middle and how we should run to the, run to the outside more. You know, fans love to complain about that, but I never realized just how much the Giants just ran up the middle, ran up the middle, and that's what the NFL is. But if you're a bigger fan of rushing to the outside, Jason Garrett's offense, they're going to be bringing that down a little bit more to like the 47% to 52% range of only rushing it up the middle then. So that's going to be less pressure for Kevin Zeidler. All right, so we project him to be good in 2021. I'll, I, yeah. This is what I want to finish it off with. Do you think there is any path to where we somehow we see Shane Lemieux, whether it's by injury or what, and the Giants move on from him in 2021 to save twelve and a half million or twelve million in cap space? I would hope not, because the Giants are still in somewhat of a good situation cap wise, and I really do think Zeitler is a leader. I I think you saw it last year. He came in and he kind of gelled the group immediately. Um, because of his consistency, this is a guy that you want around. I, I don't care if he, you know, how, however old he is, Bobby, he's still relatively young where you don't mind an offensive line, offensive lineman. They can, they can make it a little bit into their thirties. I want him around that he really gels this group together and I don't want him going anywhere. I agree. All right, let's take a break and move the defense. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work, play fast, play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin, B.J. Hill. He's in his third year coming out of NC State. He's six foot three, 311 pounds, 25 years old. He was a third-round pick, the 69th overall pick in 2018, part of Dave Gelman's first draft class. Justin, he had an exciting rookie season from what we saw. We expected a jump. We didn't necessarily see it, but we'll get into it because it's not necessarily black and white. Like, oh, look, his stats were worse in his second year. But what do you got on him, Justin? Well, I have a little fun fact to start off about B.J. Hill. Last year, when I was doing his Previewing the Giants episode on a different podcast that I did, um, his sister actually responded to me, and Tiffany Nicole, shout out, Tiffany Nicole's sister, B.J. Hill, and Wikipedia said that his birthday was in 1997. Turns out that his birthday is in 1995. Wikipedia has fixed that. But if you were looking on BJ's, BJ Hill's Wikipedia page when he was drafted because you didn't know who he was and you saw that his birthday is in 1997, well, change your frame of thinking, change your mind, because he was actually born in 1995. And I felt terrible because Tiffany Nicole probably clicked on that episode last year, was expecting to hear all factual and correct information about her brother, but then she didn't. She heard that he was born in the wrong year, and I lied. Well, 
Tiffany, you're probably going to listen to this episode, so it's good to hear from you again. I, I didn't mess that up. I'm not dumb like Justin. <laughs> All right, let's, let's talk about it because, I mean, in 2019, he had 36 tackles, one sack, and two tackles for a loss coming off of a rookie season, Justin, where he had five and a half sacks. Okay, and I know every fan base in the world falls chop of this. They see a guy's rookie season, like five sacks. Mm-hmm. Well, surely he'll have eight, nine in year two, and that's not the way it goes. Um, Leonard Williams was brought over and that changed things. Here's what I'll just say as just a bland take about BJ Hill. I think he's as good as a fourth defensive tackle that you'll find in the NFL. And I know that's not like the most ringing endorsement, but I I mean, when are you going to find a fourth defensive tackle that's as good as BJ Hill? It's tough, Bobby, because... Yes, I, I think the expectation for B.J. Hill and yes, uh, where where we think of him now is like, yes, for, for the role that he plays, we, we love him in that role. But then when you pull the curtain back and you, th- and you say, well, this guy was a third round pick and the expectations that you have with some of these Giants players that are coming from this, you know, Dave Gettleman drafts, that they should be hooking up. These should be the years that they need to be contributing more and they need to provide more, especially a third round pick. That's a guy that you kind of expect to give to provide some good value to your team. And he hasn't really done it. Now, granted, it's because there's a lot of people in front of him. So the the defensive tackle, the defensive end room in the 3-4 system, it's a crowded room. So you can't really blame him when he comes in. He does some pretty good stuff. When he had his two quarterback hits last year, Bobby, he only had two quarterback hits in one sack. So that one sack came against the Washington Football Club, week 16, when he only got um, 24% of the defensive snaps. And then the next week, he got another quarterback hit when he, when he only got 18% of the defensive snaps. So can't fault him for getting the low snap count and then not being able to do a lot with that. Yeah, I mean, he went from fit, taking 59% of the snaps in 2018 to 44%, which is, you know, um, in total, 76% of what he got his rookie season. And also the five and a half sack number. I mean, three of those were in one game yeah. versus Chicago. And you don't, I don't expect a defensive tackle to r- replicate three sack games, you know, every year, unless you're Aaron Donald or JJ Watt or somebody. He is one of the reasons, Justin, I di- didn't like it, makes me not like the Leonard tr- uh, Williams trade even more because I feel like he's good for that third defensive tackle spot in that revolving door. And he still needs to, like, he's still good enough to get reps as far as just him as a player. He's very, he's very strong at the impact. I mean, we saw his his combine. He had 35 bench press reps. Yeah, and he's a guy who uses his hands. He has very active hands. It's hard. That's something very hard to teach interior defensive linemen. A lot of times they want to just, you know, you know, they put their hands out and they don't really use them. They just try and bully. And he's active with his hands, where he can get off plays. I think he's got good instincts, Justin. I'll ask. I'll ask this. Do you think he could have like a Dalvin Tomlinson like trajectory? I mean, because you look at Dalvin Tomlinson's first two years, yeah, and you know he had he had more tackles, but BJ Hill's sats are a lot better. I mean, look at Dalvin Tomlinson, and he played more. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Dalvin Tomlinson. He played more reps each year. Dalvin Tomlinson's first two years combined one sack, 109 tackles, and six tackles for a loss. I mean, BJ Hill like double like doubles and triples that at some points. Yeah, I'm going to say no, because at least when you watched Dalvin Tomlinson, you got the feeling that he was disruptive. And 
especially as a run defender. And now what we've seen, especially in 2019, when Leonard Williams came to town, came to town, what you saw is that he started to get the interior pressure a little bit more in the pass rushing. It kind of, it kind of came, but BJ Hill, it's, and again, I'm, I don't really, I don't really want to hate him. It's kind of just really a crappy situation with Leonard Williams in here. So that's an extra body that you're going to be fighting for reps with. And the fact that he was taken in the third round, Bobby, I, I unfortunately really think if BJ Hill was taken in the fifth round, I'd feel a lot better about his presence rather than him being a third round pick. And it's like, okay, this guy's literally fourth on the depth chart, which kind of, which kind of stinks. And the yeah, reason but that's because we have, you know, a guy like Leonard Williams, who we just paid 16, a first round pick in Dexter Lawrence, and then Dalvin Tomlinson, who kind of jumped off like onto the scene this year. So it's not like he's fourth on the depth chart because he's just like, there's three guys. He just sucks. It's because he has three like really solid options ahead of him. So I guess I'm more mad at Dave Gettleman than BJ Hill. I guess that's the, I guess that's the main, yeah, the main I mean, consensus. It's, a, it's another negative on the Leonard Williams trade is because it's like, I, you know, we both think Leonard Williams is a good player and he's obviously better than BJ Hill, but it's like, He's this, serviceable. We're all right at this position. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, BJ Hill is more than serviceable to get by without having to maybe pay a $16, 16 million dollars for for another defensive tackle. But neither here nor there. We'll we'll talk about going that into when we 2019. Get to I said, you know, you have Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson as the starters, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I wasn't expecting BJ Hill to even match like his sack numbers. But I was I I was comfortable with him as the third guy in the rotation. Yeah. Never once did I worry like, ooh, BJ Hill, the third guy in the this, you know, the third guy in the rotation. So I I can't blame BJ Hill for having those three guys ahead of him. No. Those those three guys are the best defensive tackles on most teams. Yeah. In 2019, he really started. He he was getting starter snaps, 68 percent, 77 percent of the defensive snaps in the first two weeks. Then it took a dip down to around 50 percent jumped back up to over 60%, and then the Arizona game took a very big dip down, only played 19 defensive snaps, might have been hurt, I don't know. But then after that, he didn't get a single game where he had above 50% of the defensive snaps. He got 51% of the defensive snaps against Miami, and that's when we traded for Leonard Williams. There were 30%, 25%, a lot of games where he was in the mid-20s and then even high teens of the percentage of, of defensive snaps after we traded for Leonard Williams. So even... Is he going to go on a Dalvin Tomlinson trajectory? I don't even think he's going to be given like the chance to get enough, you know, reps under, you know, reps under his sail to get him going to even have any kind of Dalvin Tomlinson trajectory. Again, no fault to his own. Do you own. think he has any trade value? He might. Do you, like, do you think we could get a fifth rounder for him? Yeah, uh, he might because you're seeing, you know, Calais can't. Now, a lot of these older defensive tackles that are being traded and thrown around all the all across the NFL. And it's kind of funny that they're not getting a lot of value. Calais Campbell is a really good player. I don't care how old he is. He's a really good player. But he didn't even get a ton of value from him. B.J. Hill's young. He's got a few years left on his rookie deal. We might be able to get a fifth or a fourth round pick out of him if the Giants choose to go that route this year, which I I wouldn't mind. You know, we're rooting for the guys in blue, but I wouldn't mind. Could also, he's the perfect type of guy to be a sweetener in a trade deal, too. Yeah. You know, if you're doing like a package deal. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think he would just command a fifth round because, one, like – the production because of where he is on the depth chart and two like you said it's other position defensive tackle but i think he would be an all like i think he'd be an awesome sweetener deal like yeah. if we traded him to the rams the rams fans would be excited like wow yeah. this bj like we got bj hill in this deal too yeah. 
So Evan Ingram and BJ Hill to the Rams is what I'm saying. Oh gosh, oh my gosh, don't even throw, <laughs> don't even throw that there. But I w- I will say to maybe kind of wrap us up because this is maybe something I should have said earlier. Because thinking about Patrick Graham's defense, instead of just looking at 2019 for BJ Hill, let's actually think of like going forward of what this could look like. Patrick Graham does use four down defensive linemen, and I'm not just talking about you know with your outside linebackers like Golden and Carter and Zimenez, them putting their hands in the dirt, and then you have your two defensive tackles. Bobby, I saw you know a reps last year where Patrick Graham had four big linemen and he had four down linemen with you know kind of like a prototypical four three except there wasn't three linebackers behind you. So I think you get the picture of what I'm trying of what I'm trying to say. So basically, there are going to be sets where we have B.J. Hill, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Dalvin Tomlinson. They're all going to be on the field at the same time. That it may be yeah. rare, but it is going to happen. Yeah, especially when you got B.J. Hill who can play that five technique, um, just you know, outside the offensive tackle. I like similar that. Similar to Leonard Williams. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how B.J. Hill like works into all these plans. Anyways, that's a player profile preview. We'll see you guys next time. Like I said, a, an episode every weekday. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue.